Welcome back to Humane Tech. I'm Jeffrey Kay, recording from the beautiful Pacific Northwest on the territorial land of the Chinook Nation and the Confederated Tribes of the Grand Ronde. I'm here to help you protect your personal privacy, security, and to get better use of technology. Okay, it's been a while yet again. And rather than apologize and promise the world, I'm just going to dive back in. I've gotten a bit into a rut with these first cybersecurity essentials, so let's take a break and look, okay, not a time break, just a content break, and look over at web browsers and search. I've had some requests to talk about what browsers, like Chrome, Firefox, Safari, Microsoft's Edge and Explorer, and others are doing in the background. First, a little bit of news. Once, some you know, quite some time ago, it was said that Windows 10 was going to be the last version of Windows. Yes, it was going to be updated quarterly, often, yearly, depending on how you bought it, how you got it, and what settings you put on for updates. But Windows 10 was going to be the last Windows, and it was going to last forever, you know, or <clears throat> whatever that means. Some of you, like me, laughed and said, I'll grab you a seat when Windows 11 is announced. Well, if I told you that, it's time to grab a seat. It's been announced and it's coming this fall. Should you upgrade to Windows 11? Well, if you've got a Mac, no. Linux, no. <laughs> um, stick with what you've got. Uh, but yeah, if you like Windows 10, uh, consider Windows 11. I will be installing Windows 11 very soon to play, test, and learn. I use a Mac, I use Windows, I use Linux for my work, so I need to be up on 11. However, I rarely ever suggest anybody upgrade right away. If you need a new computer and it comes with Windows 11 only, I say welcome to the party. However, it usually takes a few months for all business applications and everything else to get fully comfortable with a new operating system. You've got an older printer, webcam, maybe a special mouse or keyboard that you love. And sometimes they all need updates to be used with the new operating system, or they can't be used. So upgrade your operating system cautiously and do your homework before doing so. Make sure all those things are going to work. Microsoft usually does a pretty good job of letting you know what is and isn't going to work. In fact, they've already said that a large number of computers out there don't have what's called a TPM, which is a privacy or a security chip that's built into the computer. And if you don't have the TPM chip that's required for Windows 11, you can't use Windows 11. You cannot upgrade it, and uh, those computers are going to have to be replaced. Don't worry about what a TPM is too much. Just know that you have to have the right kind, and it's got to be installed already. It's not something you can add after the fact. Well, you shouldn't add after the fact. It, you know, it's so a way of saying, yes, this computer hasn't been changed or maliciously affected, uh, so we, we trust what's going on. That's an oversimplification, but TPM is a good thing. And Microsoft is saying we are going to depend on this chip to help move things forward in security and privacy. Apple has their own specific chips for this. Again, without going into the, the depths in the mud of TPM, just know that if you don't have one or don't know that you have one, there's ways to test it. 
Microsoft has a website that um, you can go to and it'll help you identify whether or not you can upgrade to Windows 11. Just don't rush into it. Some privacy notes on Windows 11. The home versions of Windows 11 are likely going to require that you have a Microsoft account tied to an email address of yours. Now, Windows Home and Windows S both require this now. You can get around them, but it sounds like Windows 11 is going to not let you get around this. So you're going to have to have a Microsoft account, and there's going to be some information that travels from your operating system back to Microsoft, and it's probably going to go fairly often. Yes, you'll probably be able to turn a lot of things off, but if you're highly privacy conscious, if you're highly paranoid, that's probably not going to be the route for you. You're probably going to want the business versions of Windows. If you're like me, you can't stand the home versions and the way that they work, so you're probably going to want the Pro or Enterprise versions that have got new names coming out. If you want the home machines that are a little bit cheaper, just know that there's that privacy piece to watch out for. And if you've got questions, of course, email me, as usual, humanetechpodcast at protonmail.com or podcasts at mozu.info. And check the show notes for those again. The bottom line really is, oh, I forgot to say, Apple talked about their upcoming fall release of macOS and the mobile iOS operating systems, and they led with privacy. And I've seen advertisements around my town, uh, billboards saying, you know, privacy first, and Apple's all about privacy, these kinds of things, which I think is wonderful. And they're doing a very good job, maybe not a perfect job, definitely not a perfect job. But Microsoft said nothing about privacy with their initial announcements of Windows 11. I hope that changes. Again, the bottom line is upgrade if you must, buy new if you must, otherwise wait for the first few updates to hit. Consider maybe 2021 as your introduction to Windows 11 if you're really wanting to upgrade. If you still have Windows 7, why? Why do you have Windows 7? Okay, if you have Windows 7, you got to get off of it. It's not secure. It's not updated unless you're with a company that's paid a great deal of money to get those updates. If you have, okay, fine. Um, you got to get off of it, though. So get to Windows 10 now before Windows 11 is your only option. And when Windows 11 comes out, you're likely going to have to upgrade or choose to move to Mac or Linux. Before we talk about web browsers and search, which I'm quite excited about, how much so-called anonymous data does it take to identify a person, an individual, a specific person? So um, if you've just got a bunch of data in a database, can you figure out who that person is without seeing their name and full address or phone number? Well, it turns out there's been a few studies that have looked into this over the years, and it's been proven that birth date, gender, and zip code, those three together, birth date, gender, zip code, nothing else, are enough to reliably identify a single human being in a database almost all of the time. And when I say almost all of the time, sometimes there's a second or third in a larger or more dense area that might share the same birth date, gender, and, and zip code, but it's rare. So just three pieces of inf information. We're not talking about password or email or 
all those things that we think are the the biggies, right? And like, you know, who cares what my birth date is? That's part of my email address, you know, Jeffrey uh, 0101, because I was born on January 1st. A lot of people do that. But yeah, it's, it's, it's enough, just that information. In a lot of cases, it's just the birth date and zip code that are enough. You don't even need the gender. That to me is uh, eye-opening. When we're talking about anonymized data, how anonymous is it when it just takes three pieces to figure out who you are? And that's just one example of three pieces of data. It's, in fact, possible to take two pieces of data and get really close or even get to the right person. Got a social security number? Okay, you might just need the one if you've got access to information tied to somebody's persona. Address, of course, but really uh, medical rhetoric, I'm sorry, medical record number, uh, driver's license number, these are more specific to the individual, but again, area code and prefix with a couple other pieces of information. The last four of a credit card can sometimes tie you. I'm getting too into this. Anyway, be careful with your data. So why am I excited about web browsers and search? Well, I'm going to break this into a series of episodes. It's not going to take up all the episode time each time, but it's just so much to talk about. Web browsers are still one of the most important used windows into the internet. You can get at almost anything through a web browser, email, banking, credit reports, uh, schools and university sites, stores to buy things, buying tickets, uh, streaming video and music, passwords, and of course, social media sites. And when I say it's one of the most used windows, I mean, of course, apps on phones and mobile devices are the other huge thing. In fact, web browsers are, uh, some people are saying they're dying because apps are taking over. I don't know that that's so true. Anyway, all of these sites ask for data from us, sometimes overtly and say, you know, what's your username, your password, your name, birth date, etc. And often uh, more covertly, whenever your computer goes to a website, um, the website knows your IP address. It knows um, then who either your VPN provider is or your internet provider. Um, if it's your internet provider, they likely know what region you're in, if not your actual address, and so much more. And that is transmitted through your web browser. Some of the sites are wonderful and kind and want to help you live your own life. Some are nasty, malicious things that would like to ruin your life or at least take all of your information and sell it for somebody else's good. All of the sites, though, go through our web browser. And so a web browser is the most hugely important piece of our privacy and security. It needs more attention. If our browser fails to secure our connections and our data, imagine what might fall into the wrong hands. Now, there's also search engines. They are often the ways we get to our favorite sites, we do research, they point to fun and entertainment. We feed a lot of information into search engines. Have you ever actually looked at your search history? It's sometimes kind of fascinating to see, wait, what did I use, you know, what did I search for over the last week, month? year. Um, I can't do that now because I've turned off all of my search history, but I have a research application that does keep a 
set of uh, search terms that I've used when I've done specific research, and it's still kind of fascinating to see the different kinds of things. And if you take an outsider's point of view, like imagine you are a police officer looking for someone who's done something bad, and they look at just your search history, would they think you are connected? Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't, but that's an interesting little mind game to, to play is look at your search history and say, you know, could I get caught up in some sort of uh, criminal net cleanup um, just from my search history or my web history? You know, the kinds of things that are in search history that fit into that category. Uh, your concerns and interest in health, work, sex, sports, banking, specific people, politics, maybe things that tickle your fancy but might be a little embarrassing. Hey, there's that pretty actress or actor. How um, uh, tall are they? I'm going to spend most of the rest of this episode on quick fixes to browser security. The next episode, we're going to break into two. We're going to continue with web browsers and search, especially in Google Chrome and Google Search. I've dug up some fascinating and, well, scary information to share about Google with you. And um, hopefully it's new to you. Well, actually kind of hope that it's not new to you and you've already stopped using Google. But this is not a hate on Google kind of thing. It's a let's pull back the curtain and look. I'm also going to start with protecting your health information and myths about HIPAA. You're not going to miss that one. There are things that your doctor may not know that, well, quite frankly, it's your problem. First, this episode is the too long, don't read portion of the browsers and search chat. If you want a great browser that is privacy focused, works well, and doesn't snarf up all of your data easily, do these things. Five steps. Get Firefox. Update your privacy settings in Firefox. Install uBlock Origin. Install Firefox multi-account containers. Learn how to use those add-ins. And move on. Simple, right? <laughs> I'll list that in the, the show notes, of course, and in the newsletter. And if you want to be on the newsletter, go to the website. Again, links in the show notes. Um, do those five things, and things are going to be better for you. Do you want a little more information on that? Okay, okay, here we go. I'm going to try uh, to get away from the step-by-step in these episodes, but this episode's going to go a little bit long because I'm going to walk through some of these things and why they're important. Okay, first of all, turn on automatic install updates. Automatically install updates on your web browser. I don't care which one you're using. And then close all of your tabs, quit out of the browser, and open it up, and most of the browsers are going to refresh themselves with new updates when you do that. But you got to quit out of them. That means your 35 tabs, if you really care about them, bookmark them, <laughs> and then quit out of the browser, and it's going to update. This installs really important security patches. Again, if we're concerned about the browser protecting us and our information, we've got to keep it up to date, because every time there's a hole in the way the programmers did things, they're going to put out an update as soon as they know, and you've got to update. Keep up to date with these people. There's a setting in most of the new browsers called Enable DNS over HTTPS and using Cloudflare as an option. 
and oh my gosh, we could spend an entire episode talking about DNS and HTTPS and Cloudflare, but I'm just going to say definitely turn this on unless you're using um, parental control software or something that it might break. And if you're not sure if it's going to break things or not, leave it off. Basically what it does is it makes it so that your internet provider and a lot of uh, computers between you and the web server you're trying to get to won't be able to see what information you're asking for. I'll talk more about this in depth later. It's a, it's a deeper thing and it deserves some time. Make your web browser homepage and the new tabs that are opening as a blank page, a blank page. Don't have it go to Facebook. Don't have it go to Google. Have it go to a blank page. This keeps your browser from trying to open that web page every time you open your web browser. Um, if you do want to go to a home page, it should be something you trust. I would recommend not Google, not Microsoft, not Facebook, maybe DuckDuckGo.com. DuckDuckGo is my favorite privacy protecting search engine. We are going to talk a lot about DuckDuckGo in the future. I love DuckDuckGo. I'm doing a mini class, uh, mini course on doing research on the internet, and it's focused towards high school students and middle schoolers, but I think it's going to be quite good for adults as well. Um, refreshing my uh, course on this is reminding me that I'm not always doing my best at research. Anyway, uh, DuckDuckGo would be a good home page. Um, whatever that first page is going to be, your home page or the new tab page, is going to be able to collect your data. If you're running a good VPN, maybe that's okay. However, I recommend the blank page. Change your default search engine to DuckDuckGo. Again, <laughs> I said we're going to talk about DuckDuckGo a lot. If you haven't used it or tried it, start doing your next quote-unquote Google search on DuckDuckGo.com. They are not a sponsor. They're not a sponsor. I'm not making any money off of DuckDuckGo. Um, I think it's great. They work wonderfully. They don't collect your data, and they're very interested in doing the right thing. In Firefox, because again, I'm specifically talking about Firefox, but most of these settings are available in Chrome and other browsers. I just highly, highly recommend you try Firefox if you haven't already. And if you have already and you hated it, go back, use these settings, and see what you think now, because things change. In the privacy and security page in Firefox, there are some preferences where you might have some troubles, and I could make some blanket statements about what's best for privacy, but this is going to be different for different people. And there's a setting that says um, strict tracking protection. And while I think that's wonderful, it can break some websites uh, so that they just don't work for you. And if you're really adventurous and want to try it, go ahead. You can always set it back to standard. But again, I'd rather you get all of these other settings done um, and then maybe try this last. More importantly, perhaps, uncheck the Ask to save logins and passwords for websites. Please, please, please do not save passwords in your web browser. This goes for all web browsers. I don't care what Google has promised you in the way they protect your passwords and they look for them on the dark web and they do all the right things. I don't care what they say. Don't save your passwords in the web browser. When you go to a web page and 
you have a login screen. The web page basically asks the web browser, what's the username and password? And the web browser says, here it is. And if there's malicious code, malicious programming in that web page, which there often is, if the web browser isn't fully up to date, the web browser might say, you know, here's all of the passwords. Here's all of the usernames. Would you like some more information? So again, it's like putting your health records or your credit card statement on your front door. Don't do that. Don't do that. If you care about privacy, don't do that. So don't save your passwords in your web browser. Go get LastPass or Bitwarden or KeePass or any of the other password managers I've talked about in the past. Go back and look at the episodes about password managers and multi-factor authentication and get those passwords out of your web browser. If you need to, save them in a paper notebook that's safe and no one else is going to steal or get to. But get them off your web browser. What's next? What's next? Uncheck autofill addresses. Uncheck autofill credit cards. Just like you don't want your passwords in the web browser, you don't want to put your credit card number on your front door um, or in the windshield of your car, and definitely not your web browser. Also, addresses. This is personal information and again might leak out when you least want it to. Uncheck all of the Firefox data collection settings. Um, so it's data collection and use. It's telemetry. It's uh, telemetry is information about how the software is used. Yes, this is actually a really good thing for the software developers at Mozilla, the programmers behind Firefox, and you know, a lot of software companies ask for this telemetry, this data about how are you using the product, what happened when it last crashed, and it helps them fix issues. Let the people who are not so privacy concerned leave it checked. They're going to get plenty of information. For you, for me, let's uncheck those boxes and keep our information ours and not worry about anonymized data going to the wrong place. I like to trust Mozilla, but they make mistakes too. Let's keep what we can keep. There's a setting called deceptive content and dangerous software protection. Yes, check that. <laughs> we don't want deceptive content or dangerous software. Let's be protected by that. And finally, I really discourage the use of any sort of synchronization please don't sign into your web browser. And I mean your actual web browser. Don't create an account at Mozilla for your Firefox. Don't use your Google account on Chrome. Don't use your Microsoft account on Edge. Don't use your iCloud account on Safari. It makes a link with your data to these companies and whether it's anonymized or not, it's more of your stuff going out, out, out. And we need to stop the information going out. If other people can't see the information, if they can't handle the information, it's much more likely to be private. So if you care about privacy, keep your information to yourself. And not synchronizing your web browser is a good way to do that. If you really have a ton of bookmarks that need to be copied to another computer, there's a way to do that by exporting it to a USB, exporting it to a file. You can email it to yourself. Uh, bookmarks typically aren't super private. And so there are other ways we can do this. And do you really add a whole bunch of bookmarks on one computer that you need access to on another? 
If you do, there are actually services that allow you to do this. There are ways to synchronize your settings in safer ways. But again, you know, you could email me and I have a little dis discussion with you and we can chat, chat about it a bit. Um, or, you know, if you really need to, and that's the best way to do it, then do the sync. Uh, I'm not telling you that you can't. Obviously, you know, I'm not there. <laughs> Stop doing it. Jeffrey's coming over. He's knocking on the door. Um, that's creepy. I don't want to knock on your door. Unless you make a good, I don't know, it's July. Do you make a good burger? I'll be over. Um, enough on that. Quick list of web browsers for safety and privacy. Firefox. Yes. The Chromium Project. Google Chrome is available in a non-Google brand. And Chromium, you can turn off all the Google stuff and you can use it. It's a little hard to install and to use and even to find. But if you don't turn on the Google stuff, it's great. Um, so if you're more of a tinkerer, Chromium is a great browser to install. Brave. Brave is a good browser. It's also built on Chromium, which is behind the Google browser. And it does a decent job of protecting your data. And the defaults are actually somewhat better than Firefox. I still like Firefox better because it's not a Google product. But um, if you need a Chrome browser that's not Google Chrome and not sending all of your stuff to Google, use Brave. Give it a shot. I use it from time to time. And Safari. Yeah, I use Safari on a Mac. Um, if I, my Firefox settings are too secure, too private, and I need to get to a site, I don't want to change my Firefox settings, I sometimes just dive into Safari and I feel pretty good about it. One interesting setting that I haven't seen in a while, uh, I had to double go or go double check it, is the privacy, sorry, uh, it's on the privacy tab, it's called web advertising. It says allow privacy preserving measurement of ad effectiveness. Oh, yeah. Allow privacy preserving measurement of ad effectiveness. Yeah, so that's anonymized advertising related information. Supposedly it's anonymous. I'm just going to keep that unchecked. I don't want to allow that. All right. This episode is a little bit long. I don't mind. It's uh I hope you don't mind. I give homework, right? Here's your homework. Go check your browser settings. Go check your browser. Which ones are you using? Are you using Firefox? Awesome. Have you already tuned Firefox? to the best browser settings possible, wonderful. I don't recommend you change your browser at work if you have a mandated browser. If your boss says, hey, we use Chrome because it works well with these applications and these websites that we use, be really careful. I don't want you losing data or losing your job by doing something without checking first. If you're mandated to use Chrome or something else, Ask your boss, your IT people, if it's okay to use Firefox. Ask if it's okay to use these privacy settings. This is how you get the business discussion going on privacy and maybe getting things a lot better at your employer. If you are self-employed, well, just get it done. <laughs> um, and again, those first five things I mentioned, it was... Get Firefox, update your privacy settings, and install these two add-ons, uBlock Origin. That's an ad 
and script blocker. It'll keep you a little bit safer and you won't see quite as many pop-up ads. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Install also Firefox multi-account containers. It's a little trickier to use. You block origin, you install, and you can tune it. You can make it even more critical of ads and scripts that are not good. Um, but just try it the way it is. With multi-account containers, you got to figure it out a bit. I don't have time to talk about it today. Maybe in an episode or two, we'll talk about multi-account containers. But look it up, see how it works, and you might just figure it out on your own. I use it all day, every day. Next time, we're going to talk a lot about Google, especially the Chrome browser and Google Search, then more in depth on why to use Firefox and DuckDuckGo as a safer team. I'm not going to be doing a lot of how-to walkthroughs here. I want to get you going into the right direction. If you need or want more specifics, please reach out to me at podcasts at mozu.info or humanetechpodcast at protonmail.com. And don't forget, we'll also chat about healthcare privacy and what your doctor doesn't understand about HIPAA and how that's your problem more than it is his or hers. And also, remember, writing from one Proton Mail email account to another is free and securely encrypted. If you want a free account, go to protonmail.com, send me your first message, and I'll reply with a congratulations. Again, it's a free account. I'm not making any money off of mentioning Proton Mail. I just think it's a very good product, and it's free, and I don't often get to recommend free stuff. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Look for our next episode in about a week. For more information, please go to monazakuritech.com slash podcast or check out the links in our show notes. Monazakuri is an anti-racist company. All of our communications, business practices, and personal behaviors actively reflect our commitment to creating a more just, equitable, and humane world for all. Have a great week.